0: the Athletic.
1: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast about a life-following Watford Football Club brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John and on this fourth pre-season podcast, I'm joined by Mike.
2: New season, baby. Let's go. Come on. Oh,
1: let's see how long this lasts. Uh, and joined by, uh, yes, you saw her all the way through the Euros, uh, now best friends with Gareth Southgate. Uh, it's Miss Kelly Summers. <laughs> how are you, Kelly? Um...
3: I'm good, but what's happened to the real Mike Parkin over the summer? Because that's the most optimistic I have ever heard the man.
1: Well, we had a good weekend at a festival last weekend, so maybe he's uh, still going on with that one. Um, <laughs> it's, it is, we are, we are a week away from this, uh, this season starting. Back in the Premier League, we've been here before. And I want to sort of you know, have a, a chat about where we are in terms of our expectations. First of all, though, I want you to be honest now, Michael. If I gave you a, a score out of 10,
2: mm. what score out of 10 do you have in excitement do you know what? In the last sort of twenty four hours it's ticked over to a very, very high score. I thought I was quite enjoying the break. Love the Euros, thanks in part to, to Kelly's wonderful <laughs> work. Well done, okay I think I yeah. will yeah, we won't embarrass you, but I think certainly as friends of yours and fellow Watford fans, we're incredibly proud and impressed of you over the summer and all the stuff you're doing, so well done, certainly.
3: How nice was it to have, it was me and Emma as well, it was two of us representing Watford, we said that a couple of times, i spent a lot of summer with Emma, who everyone will know, as the voice of Vicarage Road, we did talk a lot of Watford, there was, we were, no one else was talking about Watford in England, don't (laughs) worry guys, we were.
2: So yeah, well, that's enough of blowing smoke up yeah, wazoo anyway, (laughs) but uh, well done, we're we're very proud of you, you did an amazing job. But yeah, it was it was nice to have that summer, wasn't it? Nice to have the, the England England to take our, our mind off things and right up until the last minute they, they did a good job. So we got our football fixed without really having the the day to day worries of, of club football. Then we've had a Two or three weeks, haven't we? After that, to uh, to relax, and all of a sudden, here it is—the new season hoving into view. I didn't even realise that the championship season was kicking off when it was, so that that caught me by surprise. If, or I can have a week of watching that without worrying, and then of course the big one starts, and it's really only just sunk in that Watford are back in the the Premier League. You look at the fixture list, you look at the you know Arlo's birthday presents come with the with the Premier League writing on the back. It's all getting real, and it's impossible not to be excited and a little bit optimistic, because if you can't be optimistic. At this stage of the season, when can you be? Um, so, out of ten, mm. uh, I'm you know I'm a, I'm a solid four out of ten.
0: Four? <laughs>
2: <I'm> joking, <laughs> joking. <laughs> I'm full on. I'm all in. Maybe ten out of ten. I, ca- I cannot wait. Cannot wait. And of course, the other thing is, and I know uh, full stadiums again. It's going to be amazing. Bring
1: it. Yeah, up. yeah. Kelly, what's yeah. your score? Scoring of excitement? Well
3: obviously the football season coming back means a lot more work for me which financially and life-wise is great but it also means I lose a lot of uh, relaxation time. That said I am really really excited. I've had a few weeks off um, since my explorations at the Euros. I know what Mike means about it It was nice to watch football. Obviously I was heavily invested in England um, and was desperately heartbroken for them really with the way it ended and everything but it was kind of quite nice that It it feels different when it's Watford. You are a bit more emotionally invested in it, aren't you? Uh, So I think for me now, I'm in the stage of, oh gosh, we've got to get ourselves geared up again. (laughs) It's all going to come again. And it's it's not going to be the season we had last season. We're not going to win as many games. We're not going to beat Team 6-0. We're probably going to get beaten 6-0. Hopefully not, but we have got to play Man City twice. So I think it's I think it's it's a different feeling. I'm kind of acclimatizing to it, but it was nice seeing like my work fixtures and my work and some of it are involving Watford again. And Mike just said it there, the thought of going back to Vicarage Road. Obviously, Mike and I have been lucky. Well, Mike's been at all of them, but to be at Vicarage Road for a number of the games last year the thought of going and sitting i have still got a season ticket at some point hopefully sometime i'll get to go and sit in that surrounded by watford fans the people that i've sat with my whole life pretty much um when i've not been at work that is what really excites me to be honest everything else around it off the back of the pandemic um because if i look at the fixture list i get a little bit scared to be honest
1: well no i see i've done it we'll talk about the fixture list in a bit but i've looked at it broken it down and i sort of went okay that's fine, apart from one section, but we'll get to that later on. Comparatively, though, Mike, you know, we've, this is, we did a podcast last week where we, we were comparing the teams and, and doing a best 11 draft of all the players that played for Watford in the first season of the Premier League. This is the fourth time we've done it. Comparatively, are your expectations different, similar to, let's say, I know 2015 is the obvious comparison. But between the previous times, are your expectations
2: different? The two times before last, when we went up under under GT and, and Boothroyd, I think we knew what was coming. We knew what was coming down the line. Then it was very very unlikely that we were going to be able to to compete, and and so it proved. It was a you know it was a, a, a pretty dispiriting campaign, wasn't it? And then when we went up in twenty fifteen, there was more hope, wasn't there? there? It felt like there was a structure in place to at least give us a good tilt at staying up. But we didn't really know. Um, we were we were hopeful, excited, and optimistic, without being over the top. And as it turned out, we we stayed up pretty comfortably. So it's hard actually to think back as to how we felt. I think probably quite early on in that season, when you know, away at Everton, we got that two-all draw, possibly unlucky not to not to get the win. I think that put our nerves at, at ease quite quickly, didn't it? It felt we we hit our straps pretty early that season, and we would we didn't really look back, did we? But I think this season there feels like there's a lot more. Jeopardy, really, because I think we we know that there's um, a different financial backdrop. Not that you'd know it if you're watching Man City's business or hearing about <laughs> Lionel Messi's wages, but that the reality for clubs like Watford is that there is a a very visible tightrope now. We probably we probably knew it was there anyway, but it's it's much more pronounced and obvious now. So dropping back into the Championship and and how how much money we've got to throw at staying in the Premier League has changed. We probably didn't have those concerns so much when we went up in 2015. We were sort of, you know, we felt like we have got the Premier League money. Let's see how we use it. And we used it well. Whereas now we know that there's, there is, you know, times have changed quite frankly. Uh, And we've also had that recent taste of of relegation as well, haven't we? And we know how easy it is to to drop out of the Premier League. We know how difficult it is. uh, And we know um, what can go wrong. So, Whilst I am definitely excited and I am definitely optimistic, I I think I am much more aware that it feels like a bigger job this time round, and that might that's just my feeling. There's no, it's just an anecdotal, nagging feeling that this is going to be a really really tough campaign. There's more factors at play. It feels like this time round, and it, it feels like it, it it might be a bit trickier. But similarly, I'm really confident in the long term about Watford. We spoke to Scott um, over the summer, didn't we? And he he sort of outlined that they're going to be very pragmatic in their approach and the importance is is making sure that there is a legacy, there is a Watford football club, there are moments to enjoy for generations to come. I, I also don't think that feel that relegation would be the absolute be-all and end-all that I might have done five or six years ago, just because of the whole changing landscape, really. So I think we can afford to go into it. And I think what I'm trying to tell myself and what I'm trying to convince myself is... And us, yeah. It, enjoy it. <laughs> We're back yeah. in the big time. Oh, Mike! Thank looking yourself. squad. <laughs> Try and enjoy. It. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. you see, I know what you're saying, Mike. You know it's interesting. Later in the podcast, we'll hear from some of the different athletic correspondents for the the clubs that are going to be in and around the bottom, or expected to be in and around the bottom of the of the Premier League, and I, I, we'll we'll talk about how that makes you feel after that. And I see where you're going, Mike. The 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 complexity. Maybe it's more complexity because we just know more that what's been going on than we did five years ago. We're a bit blind to it all, maybe. But I, I agree, you know, I'm, I'm there to enjoy it, at least for now. But realistically, Kelly, mm-hmm. what do you think? Do you think realistically we just need to stay up or do you think... Yes.
3: I think staying up is a brilliant achievement.
1: Is that a mindset for you or do you actually yeah. think that's, again, looking at the, the entire league, you know, forget the Man City's, forget the Liverpool's, forget the, you know, those rich clubs that are just more than just rich the Premier League.
3: I actually agreed with a lot of, surprisingly, what Mike said there. And one thing I (laughs) I would say say is um, I'm, yeah, I know, (laughs) once it's early... We've not even the season start yet. Don't worry, I won't do it once the season starts. I would encourage anyone that hasn't listened to your interview with Scott Duxbury to go back and listen to that because I found that really enlightening and it kind of gave me an idea on how Watford are approaching... or they've learnt a lot of lessons from the last time we were in the Premier League. And the Will Hughes thing I found really, really tough to deal with this summer, not... (laughs) Not tough to deal with. There's obviously far worse things going on in the world, but Watford related. A year ago, I think Watford would have just made him ride out his contract or whatever, but I think they've learned from the absolute Decore situation and not having players there that aren't fully committed. Not that I'm saying there's any issues with Hughes' attitude or anything, we don't, there's ne- that's never been suggested. But I feel like that in itself shows the financial landscape, shows the struggles and the things that clubs like Watford are up against. Let's get some perspective here and look at the teams that we're now competing with. And that's why, for me, staying up this season will be a brilliant achievement. Let's just stay up. Let's stabilise things. Let's get out of this, hopefully out of this, pandemic. Sort out the finances. Get ourselves where we think we belong. But then you've got to look at that league. When I look at that league, the way I always look at it is, which teams do I realistically think can finish below us? Who are the three worst teams? And by the way, I should also caveat that by saying... Being in the worst three teams in the Premier League, if we count Watford in, that is no bad thing for a club like Watford. However, obviously, we don't want to be in that bottom three. We want to be in the bottom four or five and stay up. I think that's the way I look at it. And there are three worse teams than Watford. And if Watford can click and get all of... I think there's been some really good recruitment, some interesting recruitment as well. If I'm, I'm willing to trust in it, and if it all clicks, we won't be in that bottom three. But let's, let's be honest and realistic about the task that's ahead.
1: Yeah, you say click kelly i think my most important thing for me is momentum uh, and it's exactly. seeing that side that we're celebrating together pulled together in those last 20 odd games and we're able to win 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 that's the thing it's that,
3: characters it's yeah. not just ability and, it's keeping and i think that's what got us before was not it like when scott alluded to it in that same podcast with you guys where he talked to he didn't say who but you could probably work it out they all have to be committed to the cause. Last season, that group of players wanted to get us up. They mm. felt for belonged in the Premier League. They felt attached to the cause. They were all in it together. And probably what happened with Ivic and the way that almost galvanised them. And Sisko was the man to kind of, do that as well to kind of provide that final bit that they needed to keep them all together. We're going to need a lot more than that in the Premier League. The Championship is so so different, as we all know from the Premier League, because let's be honest, a lot of the times last season Watford didn't play that well and still managed to win because they had better players. That's not going to be the case next season.
2: I, I think season. it's a really good point, and you can't really you can't really um, quantify it. You can't; it's not real. But I think that carrying on that momentum—that's—I think that's one of uh, Cisco's biggest attributes was the way he got Watford playing when, when he come in, when he, when he come in, when he came in. <laughs> Crikey, I've been spending too much time with kids over the summer holiday. Uh, when Cisco come in, he was like a... Um, <laughs> but I think what he was able to do, he got our good players playing really well. And I think one of the things that perhaps hamstrung Vladimir Ivic a little bit was this was a beaten side, a beaten squad that he inherited. They were used to coming up against pretty superior sides week in, week out. And more often than not, getting their backsides handed to them. So that was a team used to losing and it was a team used to having to play a certain way, which is try and keep it tight and then somehow try and nick a goal. And it's difficult to break out of that. We saw it at the end of the relegation season. We st- we ended the season badly, didn't we? A bad run of league form got humped in the FA Cup final. And it carried on, and I think there was an element of that in the in the championship season. They needed to learn to win again. They needed to learn to take the game to the opposition again. They needed to learn to carry themselves with confidence again. And I think that was one of the, one of the things that perhaps made life even harder for for Vladimirovic. But one of the things that that Shishko has been able to unlock. And I think his biggest test early on will be if he can carry on doing that when they're coming up against inferior, uh, sorry, far superior squads of of players, because. It's, it's a cliche, but a cliche for a reason. Winning is a habit. And the longer that we can stay in that mindset, the longer we can stay with their you know, shoulders back and, and, and walking a couple of inches taller, then the, 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 more op- the, more, the more opportunity we'll have to, to, to make a successful start to the Premier League season. And it's unquantifiable. It's difficult. It sounds a bit sort of a bit hocus-pocus, but I think that momentum and that belief, we need to hold on to that for as, as long as possible. And we, you know Arlo and I were talking about that Brighton game um, at the start of the, the Premier League season before last when we got relegated. We got annihilated and then we got smashed by West Ham and straight away, The die was cast for the season, and we need to avoid that this this season. And they just need to—I assume they will. I think that's one of Cisco's real strong points: just the belief and the happiness, and the contentment, and the uh, and the attitude. If we can get that right early on, then um, yeah, I think that's it's going to be a big thing for us.
1: Yeah, my expectations are I think slightly lower than they were before. I think mainly that comes down from the fact that I don't feel like I know all these players. Like I've known the other teams that have been promoted, yeah, you know, especially the '99. we felt like we knew them by the back of our hands because of two, you know, back-to-back promotions. You know, just not having quite the same connection with William Troosti-Kong because having not really got to know him in the. The interactions you sort of get, even though he doesn't wave at me, you know, that sort of interactions you feel with a player. That, that's, I think, a thing that's slightly holding me back. But like I say, I think our expectations are, are all in sync, even though we're not necessarily saying them in the, the same positivity, let's say. But look at that fixture list, Kelly. You know, we're not going to pick it apart and go through every single thing. I, I just looked at it and I broke it down as different sections and mainly between international breaks. That sort of, I think it was Sam Allardyce when he was at Bolton. He always talked about, you know, the leagues within the leagues. So he almost like broke it down into the bottom six and how well do they do in that league and how well do they do in a league against the top teams and all that sort of stuff. So that's a different analysis. But if you sort of look at the, the breakdown, you know, between in, in August, it's, it's Villa, Bright and Tottenham. And that's only one of the top slash rich six that we've got to sort of get through. And then, and then September, it's Wolves, Norwich, Newcastle, Leeds. There's none of the top, top six there. A first time one of the top six, rich six, visits Vicarage Road is isn't until October the 16th, and that's our eighth game of the season. It feels like a massive opportunity. And it's
3: Liverpool as well, John. We can beat them.
1: Yeah, Oh, yeah, easy. And it's my birthday, so it's like <laughs> definitely going to you know, that it, it certainly feels it, it, things are playing into our hands to help us sort of get ourselves in gear. Not necessarily winning, 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 but it, it's not yeah. like we're going to hit a wall and you know, just absolutely ruin ourselves the rest of the season.
3: Flip that though, and if all of a sudden you come to September and you've not got, I don't know, nine points or however many points, we need to get off to a good start because there's opportunities there. And when we get later in the season, I'm not saying those teams aren't good and that we, we should be beating them. No one has any right to beat them. But obviously, they're, like you just said, they're the most realistic opportunities of what for getting points on paper. So... Sorry to be negative, but I look at that and think, yes, it's a brilliant opportunity. But that also means we have to click into gear quite quickly because those teams will also look at Watford in the same way. So, yeah, I think September is going to be crucial with Wolves, Norwich and Newcastle to come after the international break. And then, of course, before the next one, as you said, Leeds, away, which, oh, full Ellen Road Full will Road, that'll be summer away day, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> Mike, now, I don't know, do you have any holiday left you can take off? Why, are you going to send me away for the duration of the season so I no, don't bring everyone mm, down? Particularly between November the 20th and December <laughs> the 4th.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I've noted, Nexus, that's two weeks of help. Because we play Man United, Leicester, Chelsea and then Man City. That's a wall we're heading towards in late November. Just, gosh, that's going to be not a fun fortnight, is it?
2: It just reinforces the point about how important the the start of the season is. And, you know, I think Kelly's right to be trepidatious because if we do balls it up, then the writing on the the wall, quite frankly, could be there very, very early. We know how difficult it is to, to recover from a bad start. And... The, the season we got relegated the year before last, we had opportunities to, to get points on the board. We had, you know, we had Brighton at home. And if you're going to stay in the Premier League, that has got a red ring round it for points, hasn't it? And you mm. cannot burn through games where you're budgeted for points. And I understand exactly where Kelly's coming from, but budgeting for any points in the Premier League as a Watford supporter is difficult because you can see, you know, there's trouble everywhere. There are there's difficult op- op- opponents absolutely everywhere. But, but,
1: that, but reality... that Fortnite is very different. That's yeah, absolutely. Not just, that's not just,
2: oh, it's a tough but league. That's,
3: that's pray for the goal difference, isn't it? Gosh.
2: <laughs> if you go into it doing what we hope we're capable of doing, then all of a sudden it becomes different. I mean, I hate I always hated that phrase, free hit, because there is no such thing. You know, it damages confidence. Like Kelly says, it damages goal difference if it, if it goes wrong and anything could go wrong. So they aren't free hits, really. But if, if we perform in the early portion of the season and we pick up the points that we hope to, then it doesn't need to be so daunting because no-one's expecting anything. No-one will have budgeted for those points as, as you plan out the season. And you can go to, you know, you can take on Chelsea, Man United and perhaps approach the game slightly differently. If you go in with one point and you, abs- you every point all of a sudden becomes like an absolute, um, you know, gold, then you have to say, right, 10 men behind the ball, let's try and somehow get a point. Whereas if you've got 10 points on the board and we're going to Old Trafford or Chelsea are coming to us, you might be able to play the game slightly differently, thinking, OK, let's sit up, perhaps, sit up, perhaps try and hit mm. them on the break, perhaps be a bit more adventurous. So it, it all of a sudden it becomes less worrying. If you go into a clutch of games where you're playing the big boys and you've got one point, two points, something like that, and you've been abject, then obviously the season starts to look pretty grim pretty quickly and we have got little swathes of games where they're they're, they're very, very difficult, regardless of the start of the season. But it just goes back to the start, how well you perform against the teams we're supposed to perform against. And that takes all the stress away. Apart from Manchester City, I cannot (laughs) fathom what they're going to do. It seems to be incrementally going up, so I dread to think what's going to happen this year. I reckon we could um, get
3: into double figures.
2: Potentially, I think forfeit <laughs> no might, might be a. Might easier, be an option, yeah. Match much, much um, easier. But joking aside, you know, they, those games can be different if we perform in the games that we're supposed to perform against. And the other thing is, we've beaten every one of the big six, the rich six, the top six, apart from Man City when we've been in the Premier League in, in, in recent history. So we know that we can do it. It's just, you can't hide from it. And And Kelly's nervous, I think rightly, about the start of the season because there's pressure. There is undoubted pressure on the first two months of the season. But that's what it's like in the in the top flight. That's what it's like when you're playing with the big boys. You've got no room for, for error. And I think they, they'll be licking their lips at the opportunity to, to stamp their authority.
3: I'd like to add, I've, I sound like I've been crazy negative, but I think I've been... I think we all were really scarred by the way we started in that relegation season. And that is ultimately the reason, reason we went down the beginning of the season and then yeah. some of the results, the West Ham game at the end of the season. I'll never forget sitting, I was working at that game against Brighton and I just felt like the writing was on the wall from day one. And I remember yeah. going home, and my stepdad saying, no, no, it's only one game. And I just said, something feels different. It does not yeah. feel right. And that's where it comes into momentum. So that's why I'm so nervous. That's my overriding, overriding emotion about it all. I, until I've seen 45 minutes of us, minimum to gauge where we're at, what are we in? We're better than I just need the reassurance. No, don't worry. It might be a struggle, but it's not going to be that much of a struggle. It's not going to be that bad. We're not going to be sacking Cisco in the international break at the end of August because we've got one point from those opening three games. I'm just very nervous because of that.
2: Right, we need to make a diary note, John. Uh, Half time at the um, the Villa game, let's call Give Kelly and get her, yeah. get her a season assessment.
3: Do you know what I mean? I just think that season, it was a mental season, wasn't it? Everything that happened to Watford that season, well... I don't want to sound like all of the external people that talk about Watford, but everything that happened in that season in a nutshell is what people love talking about with Watford, the managers, the craziness. It just felt like everything was chaotic. That said, I've got to remember hearing Scott again in that podcast I go back to and hearing the messages that have come out of the club since. I think a lot of that has been ironed out and I think the club are far more experienced and they I just feel like they're in a better place to attack this challenge now. So I have to keep remembering that.
1: Yeah, that, that, that wall in, in late November, get through it. It is the longest stretch that we have of the season between international breaks or an FA Cup weekend where the top players can, ha- can have a rest. Actually, the, one thing we're looking out for was with the African Nations Cup or Cup of Nations. Um, we're going to lose a fair few to that. When is it? How many games do we lose? And actually, is isn't that many. Uh, there's only two league games, I think, where we're going to have to have missing players. And then we play Newcastle away and Norwich at home. Um, towards the middle end of of January. Otherwise, it's it's an international break. It's FA Cup third and fourth round weekend. So that that sort of thing of saying if Ishmael Assar is the star that we are expecting him to be, we're not going to have too much trouble. So the the end of the season is that's another sort of high level area of rich six clubs. You know, Liverpool are in there, Man City are in there, uh, and then we finish with Leicester and Chelsea. It's it's a bit more mixed up that bit. It's it's not as a you know as a wall as we had in the November, December time. It sort of seems like it just makes you think, well, to be fair, it had been last year. We didn't think that the last two games of the season were going to have to be must-wins, which didn't turn Mm -hmm. out to be, against Swansea and Brentford. But in this case, you know, we do have Leicester and Chelsea who are probably going to be fighting away for different places, as we are hopefully not, but probably will be fighting against relegation. But it feels a little bit more spaced out. There's a couple of more winnable games in between.
2: Yeah, you, don't, you wouldn't want to be going to Stamford Bridge needing to get something on the last day of the season. The game before that, we're at home to the last home game of the season is Leicester. Interesting to see how they do, but you know, sensible money is, is on them having at the very least a, a solid season. Palace away, you know. There's always a bit of, always a bit of needle there, isn't there? Burnley at home before that, and then Man City away before that. So, you know, the running again. I think what it does, it, we want to be, we want to be safe before then. There are, there are, you know, Brentford at home as well. What's that? With with six games to go, you know, a bit, 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 bit sort of early for that to be a, a relegation six pointer, but it could, it could be, couldn't it? So, I wouldn't say it's the kindest run-in, um but i think it is worth just having that in the in the back of our heads as we as we motor forward that it's you know that it's the business end of the season as they say and we're just so desperate to get our business i remember in the good old days john when we did the podcast in the premier league we used to say oh we'd be safe by christmas now let's make sure that we don't sort of have a dip um, god to be safe by christmas what would we take now eh
4: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
5: a podcast about life
1: following Watford FC. We support Watford Football Club, of course, but we like to support all the other people who do things around Watford Football Club. You know the the boys at WD18 who do all their stuff on that YouTube, uh, as well as as well as all the other Watford podcasts that are out there. Do do search for them, Google them a, a search, and find out what they're up to as well. We're not the only ones. Uh, and uh, to fill your days with more Watford podcastery uh, is, is a good good thing. Uh, one of those podcasts, of course, is Hornet Heaven. Uh, massive supporters of that, uh, and the brilliant work that Ollie and Colin do uh, to create all this work and there's been two episodes out in the recent weeks Uh, the first one uh, is to do with songs and chants and of course one of the biggest characters in Hornet Heaven is the founder of Watford the father of the club Henry Grover and he was certainly wanting to show off his creative side
0: ah there you are bill old thing speak of the devil hello Henry are you enjoying the show it was a privilege to hear my lyrics voiced by these splendid singers. Old sausage, my superb lyrics, sema 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 sema, a magician. He comes and goes. He comes and goes. Superb, you think? Let's see what the audience decides, Henry. Tonight's contest, suitably enough in an afterlife, is where your hopes of a songwriting career are going to die a death. Good Lord, Bill. How rude. What's got into you? Are you still smarting at the reference to the superiority of red shorts that I slipped into my Christmas carol? It was only the truth, old chap. My lyrics always reflect the deepest and most quintessential verities of life. Kiko Kiko, Kiko runs and they want to go home Kiko, Kiko, Kiko runs and they want to go home You see, so true, so beautifully true
1: And in the second episode called The Player There's a new arrival in Hornet Heaven But the residents aren't
0: sure if he is who he says he is Of course, of course Well, obviously the fans army are most likely to be interested In when I became a full-time professional but you were never a full-time professional, Mr Pearce, sir. Only part-time. Ha! Beautiful! That's exactly the level of detail we came for, Derek, my dear, ainly retentive boy. Look, uh, to be honest, I reckon I'll be able to gloss over that kind of thing if people ask. So, uh, cheers, Derek. Maybe I'll just uh, come back another time if I blank on something important. Uh, cheers, Emery, mate. Oh, that was sudden. Do you think it was something we said? I think he's worried, Mr Grover, sir. Worried we're going to rumble him. Rumble him? Whatever do you mean, dear boy? I have a strong suspicion that that man isn't who he says he is, Mr Grover, sir. He does look vaguely like an older version of John Pierce's picture in the 1970s programme, sir. But I think there's an imposter. In Hornet Heaven, Mr. Grover, sir.
1: You can get all the episodes of Hornet Heaven from your normal podcast output place or app, uh, as well as going to hornetheaven.gov. Uh, also make sure on your way to the Villa game next week you do try and hunt down the boys selling a copy of YBR that's yellow black and red the fanzine which has been developing over the last couple of seasons Uh, do grab a copy Uh, there's some fantastic writing in there Uh, they will be outside on Vicarage Road before next Saturday's game part of the Athletic Podcast Network this is from the Rookery End as Part of the Athletic Podcast Network, we are going to be doing two podcasts a week, one on a weekend where, as fans, we're going to reflect on what happens in games. And on the Thursday morning, you're going to wake up and be a podcast where we're joined by Adam Leventhal to talk about his writing and and the wider world and analytical side of of football. But also we're going to be hearing from, of course, the the upcoming opponent's correspondent from the Athletic. So if we're playing Norwich, then we'll speak to Michael Bailey, uh, who is the correspondent for Norwich at the Athletic. But we thought we'd get a bit of an idea for some of those clubs that are in and around Watford and are likely to be down near the end of the Premier League table throughout the season. So let's hear from a few of those. Firstly, from the newest member of the Athletics team, Jay Harris, who is going to be following Brentford this season.
6: If there was a way to describe how I was feeling going into the start of the season, I just used one word and that's optimistic. There's such a strong feeling of excitement within Brentford's fan base at the moment. They've broken their infamous playoff curse and after 74 years, they're finally back in the top flight and this is actually going to be their first ever season in the Premier League. So when I get the opportunity to speak to fans down at the stadium or on social media, they all just seem so happy about the prospect of being able to play the likes of Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal and they just want to enjoy every single second of the journey this season. You look at their squad, and in the last couple of years, they've become accustomed to seeing some of their best players leave. But on this occasion, it looks like they're going to be able to retain all of their key players, and that's going to be absolutely vital. There are going to be a lot of headlines about Ivan Tony. I've already spoken to him, and he seems really confident that he's going to score a lot of goals in the Premier League this season. And it's going to be absolutely fascinating seeing how that plays out. They've also recruited really smartly. Christopher Ayer's come from Celtic. Frank Onyekas come from their sister club, FC Micheland, And both of those players are going to be massive additions to the squad. They're only 23 years old, so they've got lots of room for improvement. But more importantly, they have experience of winning championships in the leagues that they've come from and of playing in top-level European competition. And that injection of quality into Thomas Frank's team is going to be absolutely huge for this season. Of
1: course, we want to hear from the other promoted side. Uh, and of course, Norwich. Michael Bailey, who's been on the podcast many times, covers Norwich for The Athletic. And well, let's see how he's feeling about Norwich's chances after winning the championship last
4: year. I have to be honest, I am still pretty torn about Norwich being back in the Premier League. I think to me, they still feel three good quality additions short of where I would like them to be. There was also the chance they may still lose someone and they've already lost their best player from last year in Emi Buendia. So you're going to have to look at Norwich and see if they can evolve. I think the one thing they didn't do two years ago, two years ago, is really change what they did from the Championship to the Premier League. And I think this time I'm hoping that we'll see something a bit more savvy from them in terms of how they go about it. And maybe something a bit more streetwise. They were more defensively solid last year, but doing that in the Premier League is a is a different ask entirely, really. So I kind of feel like it's going to be the same as two years ago, or they will survive by by a distance. And maybe the thing that I'm hoping for is that this time, compared to two years ago, there are more Premier League teams in a bit more disarray themselves. All Norwich need to do is finish above three of them in the table, obviously. Watford I find really interesting, I thought you know, they beat Norwich in both games last year. I thought they looked like a, a really good outfit and it was almost slightly disheartening that Norwich did lose to to Watford last year because I wanted to see that improvement against a team that was also relegated alongside them. I like the fact that Watford have done so much business and I can see that they, they are trying to evolve that team that got them there back into a Premier League team. And I, I like the way they go about it. I, it's such a interesting comparison to how Norwich do it obviously because I thought Cisco Munoz did did well when he came in but I almost feel like that team will kind of manage itself and whether he'll still be there at the end of the season is a different matter because he's probably got a lot to learn still about managing at that level so it'll be interesting how he does but I think as a team I think I like the Watford as I say have evolved things already I'm sure those players will settle in and I, I have to say if I think if Norwich finish above Watford then they will stay up because I think uh, I think Watford will, will be pretty close to being okay next year.
1: Newcastle United, another team that could be down near the bottom of Watford, Chris Wall, the correspondent for Newcastle United, about how Newcastle and Newcastle fans are
7: approaching the new season. When you ask how Newcastle United fans are feeling, so this is on Thursday morning, Thursday the 5th of August, and as of yet Newcastle United are yet to sign a single player this summer their budget is minimal Prospective takeover has been postponed indefinitely once again and Mike Ashley remains owner Steve Bruce remains manager despite being massively unpopular but apart from that everything I think for Newcastle fans is wonderful no the reality is that there is a lot of trepidation at the moment Newcastle had a really close brush with relegation last season they really did have the players in terms of Sam maxman and Callum Wilson to have pulled clear sooner, but they had injuries, COVID, various different issues. A lot of people calling for the manager because they got themselves in that situation. They still have those players, but again, fitness issues during pre-season. They haven't signed anyone. They're actually weaker than they finished last season because Joe Willock is no longer their player. Andy Carroll has also left on a free transfer, so they're a striker down, and they are in a difficult difficult position going into the new season I think that they will sign a couple of players but they're waiting on loans and for that reason until they're strengthened then the trepidation that Newcastle fans fear ahead of the new season is understandable and I do think they'll be in the bottom half probably finish somewhere between 13th and 15th but it's not going to be as comfortable as maybe it could have been if they'd signed joe Willock and a few other players sooner in terms of how newcastle fans and i view watford there is a bit of fear about what they can do they're a bit of an unknown quantity up here to, to be quite honest because a lot of newcastle fans didn't see much of them last season and so I think for as long as Watford has been a bit of a bogey team for Newcastle in the Premier League Newcastle have got poor results against them in recent years and so there will be a bit of um, concern about Watford and Newcastle want to start the season strongly and put a bit of a gap between themselves and Watford and the other sides because otherwise once they get dragged into it I think that those sides coming up with them at least have positive goodwill behind them and momentum whereas Newcastle only have negative momentum behind them at the moment.
1: Burnley and our mate Sean Dyche also could be in, didn't have a great season last year. And Andrew Jones is the correspondent for the Athletic at
5: Burnley. How are they preparing? After last season, it was a, it was a tough season and a small squad who suffered with a lot of injuries, which really you know well made them struggle really and cost them at certain points. And it was certainly a marathon of a, of a season. that wasn't uh, it, you know it was, there was a lot of tough tough days and weeks, but importantly they got us the, the points that they needed to stay up and I think that, that's why there's sort of a, a, an element of caution going into, into this season, they started the transfer window well with with Nathan Collins coming in from Stoke, uh, young centre-back will probably be eased in, in the first season with, with James Tarkovsky and Ben Mead the, the main pair, there's still stuff to do they, they've brought in Wayne Hennessy as a backup goalkeeper but they still need two wingers really to sort of book the squad out and give them that depth that they, they lacked last season and and which which caused them problems. The link with what what Watford and Burnley is is Sean Dyche. That's where he started his managerial career. And the interesting thing with him is he's got less than twelve months remaining on his his, his contract. And those discussions have been, you know, going on and there's there's a general confidence around the club that he will sign uh, a new deal. When that will be, we're not sure, and the longer it goes on, keeps that little bit of uncertainty there. He's he's been so key to, to Burnley and what they've managed to achieve the sixth consecutive Premier League season. Hopefully he he does put pen to paper. And
1: Brighton, in their fourth season now in the Premier League, haven't quite been able to break up into the upper echelons of the league. How is Andy Naylor, the Brighton correspondent for The Athletic, how is he feeling heading into this season?
8: I'm actually quietly optimistic about Graham Potter's team's chances this season. Wait a minute, I hear you cry. They've lost Ben White to Arsenal. True, a class act, but it's 50 million pounds in the bank. And if they spend that wisely between now and the end of the transfer window i reckon there's a fair chance they'll improve outside that bottom six where they've been stuck in their four seasons in the top flight so far enoch muepo look out for him zambian international signed from red bull Salzburg, an attack-minded midfielder they need more goals from midfield he could be the man to provide it they need more goals full stop that's been the big issue another forward they really need to get in before the window closes if they can spend that ben white money well i can really see them improving into mid table and who knows even up towards their long-term goal of establishing themselves in the top 10.
1: We'll be speaking to those guys again when Watford visit them or they visit Vicarage Road to find out about how their season's going on. Of course, you can read all their pieces and find out how the oppositions are are going by subscribing to The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend where you can sign up for a very fancy deal of having a third off uh, 3 dollars 99 a month is the current deal. Uh, so go to theathletic.com forward slash where you can also, of course, read all the writings of Adeline Vettel and listen to this podcast as well as all the other brilliant podcasts that The Athletic do absolutely ad-free by listening via the website or, of course, the Athletic app. Interesting, Kelly. I think the, the thing I took from that, hearing from all the th- different things that they were saying and, and where they are all at... Yes, most of those clubs, apart from Brentford, got some experience in the Premier League. But they, the, all the correspondents there, just don't seem to be saying, and everything's in order. They still needed to get three players in in these last few weeks, the transfer window. That made me feel quite positive towards Watford. And again, the the fact that we've done a heck of a lot of business early and just doing a few odds and sods at the moment.
3: Yeah, when I said earlier in the podcast, when you look at the league and the way I look at it at the moment is are there three teams that are worse than Watford? Actually, listening to those makes me realise actually we're not the only ones with these concerns. Sometimes you get so caught up in how you're feeling and your club, like I kind of forgot I was I was talking to someone about Callum Wilson the other day and how I think he's going to have a great season and I kind of forgot how for a lot of last season Newcastle struggled and their fans are clearly not feeling particularly optimistic and I said to someone the other day oh, I think Norwich will be alright this time they've learned they've learned lessons they've yes they've lost Buendia but they've got Pookie and I was I realised I've been finding reasons why other teams are in better positions than us but mm. actually every club has their concerns and that's why Watford have got a fighting chance of staying up but. There's not much between the teams in the top six as it stands. I think, unless you're Brentford, who they clearly are buzzing with all oh, awful pun. Didn't even mean that with <laughs> all of their signings and where they're at at the moment. And they're just going to enjoy the season, whatever. I'd like to hold them to that and see if they're still enjoying it. If they don't start very well,
1: Mike. The, yeah, there's some of those boys and the, the correspondents we'll, we'll hear from again. Uh, we'll catch up see if they're still feeling the same as the season goes on. Hearing from them, Mike. Does that fill you with any more confidence?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think I think what it speaks to is the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty around, which we mentioned at the at the top of the pod. Everyone's a bit not really sure what the what the landscape's going to look like for those of us outside the outside the outside the big boys, and there's a little bit of concern as to as to how we're going to perform, how any additions are going to going to gel. Um, there's not many teams with like really really good seasons from last year to to build on i think brentford are, you know they've got what we had in in 2015 haven't they they've got the they they're footloose and fancy free really they they they've got it's all the glitz and glamour to come they've got the big boys to come to the new stadium they they'll be back into their new stadium for the first time so it's all clover really for those guys isn't it and they they should be pretty confident if they go down the models in place for them to stay up so i think they're the anomaly in terms of the supporters in in how they feel perhaps Norwich to a a degree as well they're kind of used to they feel like they're a very very slow build you know they're happy to go up and down accumulate the money um, look after the the philosophy keep the coach and sort of maybe a a slow build to um, to to be being a, a an established Premier League side instead of doing it stay up and then invest because they've 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 struggled, so you'd understand there was a bit of trepidation there. Um, but perhaps they're not as worried. But yeah, I think that the the rest of them they're pretty much in the in the same boat as us, really. Better off in as much as they've got more recent Premier League experience. Better off in that they've obviously had a higher league position. Better off in as much as they've they've got proven Premier League players in in their ranks. But it's a different time, and I think the stakes have changed. The jeopardy is is increased. Every team has concerns and I think we need to play on that. And I think, again, that's where it comes back to we are a team on the up, you know, like Brentford, like Norwich, uh, who've got a habit of winning. We saw how Sheffield United went through the division when they got promoted. It means something. And I think for those worrying, you know, Newcastle have got the spectre of the the potential takeover. They're not happy with with Mike Ashley. I think I saw somewhere online. I don't know how true it was. That there's still eleven thousand tickets available for the first home game, so there's definite concerns at Newcastle and other clubs. You know how are Southampton going to perform, how are Everton even going to perform with a new a new manager, and there's lots and lots of unknowns. And I think there's all the all the chips, all the dice are up in the air. I think they will settle fairly quickly. So I think those who can assume a decent position early on. Will be those best place to um, to to deal with it. You've got to get, you've got to find your um, your sea legs, your Premier League sea legs, when you're aboard the good ship Premier League, pretty quickly <laughs> if you're going to make a success of it. And I think there's quite a few clubs who are uh, who are probably uh, scrabbling around trying to find their seasickness pills at the moment. So who can get to the medicine cabinet first, bosch a couple of sea legs and uh, set course for a plane passage to. Uh, the island known as Premier League safety. How's about that?
1: That's for the best an extended
2: Islanders. and terrible metaphor.
1: Wow. <laughs> extended. That isn't was an quite something. <laughs> but now this this time of year, you know, it, it's about predictions. You know, you can predict who's gonna be the best player, who's gonna score the most goals. I don't really like those ones. They're just a bit too serious. So I've got a couple for you. you're gonna make choices. The two of you, this one or that one. Okay. So, Mike, who's gonna score more goals, Ishmael Asar or João Pedro? Ciao, Pedro. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Kelly, who's going to start more games? Daniel Barkman or Ben Foster?
5: I did an
3: FPL thing the other day where I said I wouldn't be surprised to see Foster come in at some point. Barkman will start the season. Foster.
1: Okay, Mike, who's going to get the most yellow cards? Christian Cabaselli or Adam Messina? Oh, it's got to be Cabo, hasn't it? (laughs)
3: <laughs> Got to be
1: For the team For the team of course oh, not, yeah. re- not as much recklessness this time please Christian uh, Who's going to have the most games out injured Kelly Tom Cleverley or Troy Deeney Don't answer it Don't jinx either of them <laughs> just, I'll okay. feed the fifth okay. uh, Kelly this is a positive one Who will get their first team appearance quicker Matty Pollock or Quadro Bar um, So the centre back Or do you think it's going to be the So if
3: he's playing it means so I was injured um you don't change centre backs as often though, do you?
1: It's a, toughie. Uh,
3: it's a toughie. Matty Pollock, because I think he'll play in the cup.
1: In the league though. Bar. Okay. Could be I didn't say did I say no, I didn't say start. Thirty yeah, he might come off the he could be off the bench, couldn't mm,
3: you, Yeah. You don't you don't change centre backs often, that's my theory.
1: That is, yeah, I get what you're saying there. Mike, who's gonna finish higher? Not higher than Watford, just higher. Brentford or Norwich? Oh good
2: one. Good one, good one, good one. Both joint twentieth.
1: Um,
7: <laughs>
2: who's going to finish? <laughs> no, they'd be higher. joint
1: nineteenth, wouldn't they? You wouldn't be joint twentieth; you'd be joint nineteenth.
2: <sighs> Can well, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of buzz about Brentford, but I do wonder, I do wonder whether they're going to find it harder than a lot of people think. Uh, so I'm prepared to have some red and white egg on my face, but I'm going to say Norwich will finish higher than Brentford this year. Okay, cool. Kelly, um, that is bold.
1: Who yeah. will score more penalties? Troy Deeney or Joshua King?
3: Joshua King.
1: Uh, Just be clear on this, I know he's former Bournemouth and you would have worked with him when you were at Bournemouth. I didn't say win penalties, I meant score penalties just because if it was win penalties, guaranteed Josh would get far more uh, than Troy.
3: My theory on that is that Josh King, I think Josh King will start the season and I reckon Troy might come off the bench. I think King might be on the pitch more.
2: This is is Kelly's... um...
3: I've overthought this, haven't
2: I? Fantasy league coming into it, isn't it? You're, <laughs> you're I'm, overlaying. I'm sorry,
3: I'm not, I'm not having a Watford striker in my FPL squad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mike,
1: who will leave first? And it doesn't have to be this season necessarily. Cisco or Ishmael Assar?
2: Oh, goodness gracious. Well, look, if we have a bad start to the season, Kelly's alluded to it already. I think Gino and Scott won't muck around. And I think if, if, Cisco's magic dust evaporates quickly then um, so will his smile and so will he mm. um, okay. so I think he will go before Ishmael Assar but I hope both of them are lighting up Vicarage Road for many years to come. Uh, Kelly who will get more assists this season
1: Imran loser or King Ken Semmer
3: oh King Ken
1: okay quick answer and Mike the final one I've got here. Who will get the most goals next season wherever they play their football? <laughs> Andre Grey or Stieper Parizza?
3: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I was mischievous.
2: It is, and I wish both of them well, but I especially want Andre Grey to do well because I think he got pelters, and rightly so, you know not least for me from the you know there's issues with lockdown, we don't need to go over again, but the one thing with Andre was that he never went missing on the pitch, I think even when he was bang out of yeah. form and really, really struggling, and I think he he worked really hard and and put a shift in even when it was stacked against him, so um on that basis, I'm going to say andre Grey, I think there's a decent striker, we all know. How good he can be—it doesn't just disappear. And I think hopefully he'll get a move that benefits him, and he can get get back amongst the goals. And um, so I'm going to go with uh, with Andre Gray. I mean, Steve Pariza is not going to score, many. He spends most of the time pulling his shorts down, doesn't he? Does. he? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Andre did Gray you, did Gray. you know what for Media Team? You can uh, edit
1: those videos. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I think you're not thinking about there with Mike with Andre Gray is that he will become a father this season, and we all know what that's like. Or at least you and I know what that's like in the uh, initial few. Months of having a child around. Uh, Good luck with that, uh, Andre. So that's the season. We're sort of excited. Well, we are excited. Very excited. Come on. We're cautiously optimistic about how this season might go. And of course, it all kicks off next Saturday at three o'clock when Aston Villa are coming to visit Vicarage Road. Thank you very
3: much, Kelly. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, and and we hope to see you around Vicarage Road. We know you're you're gallivanting all over the Premier League. (laughs) Uh, We hope to see you a few times uh, down that way. And thank you, Michael. You're more than welcome. Do
2: not get used to this level of positivity. I think it's got a shelf life of about seven to ten days.
1: Yeah. Be prepared for November, people. Be prepared.
7: (laughs) The Athletic.